You're listening to All the Backlist, a weekly show about books that are not new. I'm your host, Vanessa Diaz. This is episode 426.5, and today I'm going to tell you about two books that are really great for breaking you out of a reading slump if that is a thing that you need. That's what they did for me when I read both of these books, and they're very different from one another. One is a really delicious thriller that kind of flashes a little bit back and forth between past and present for this really twisty ending set in Ireland. And the other is a witchy book set in this horrifying puritanical society that feels a little too real, if you know what I'm talking about. Before I tell you entirely too much about both of those, as I am wont to do, <laughs> let's hear from our sponsor. So this first book I'm going to tell you about is 56 Days by Catherine Ryan Howard. And this is a book that I picked up when I went to Jamie Ganaves, as I have often done and talked about on the show when I need someone to recommend me a book. And you might be thinking, hey, Vanessa, you are the managing editor of bookriot.com. Why do you need someone to tell you what books to read when you touch books all day, every day? And the answer is because I touch books all day, every day in editing, you know, site content and podcasts and newsletters. Sometimes I just need someone to declutter that information for me because I have so many books to choose from and I write them all down and then I just need someone to pick. And I went to Jamie saying I needed something that was going to get me out of a reading slump that would grab me from the get go because of a string of reads that have not done so for me, and she delivered as she often does. I'm also vamping a little bit as I'm talking about this book because it is one that she told me to go into knowing as little as possible for maximum effect, and I super agree with that assessment, but I gotta tell you something. So I tell you that it's great for the reading slumps. I'm gonna tell you that it does this back and forth shift starting with events that have to in 50, happened, I should say, 56 days ago, and that are like slowly building up to the present, that it's set in Ireland. And that if you are not a person who is ready to read books that are set during any old pandemic, let alone the COVID-19 pandemic, that this book may not be for you. But if you think you can handle it, or even suspect maybe that you could, give it a go because it's that good. I think having gone through this experience really, really makes it land and kind of, again, ratchets up that tension because we lived through this thing and we know what these close quarters and claustrophobia felt like and all of the unknown. So you add that in plus these, you know, other circumstances going on in this book, and it makes for a really great read. So to give you the most high level of plot synopses ever... We have two main characters. We have Kiara, who is a web services concierge, and this guy named Oliver, who is a, he works in like an architectural firm, I believe. He's like a, I think technologist was the title they gave him. But they meet at a Dublin coffee shop, very random. Kiara is wearing this t-shirt that has the Kennedy Space Center on it. They kind of strike up a conversation about that. Have you been? No, I haven't. Well, yes, I have. You should go there. Okay, cool. Whatever. Do you want to go for a walk? And so they do. And the part I don't remember is whether they have a one night stand or whether they've been dating for a second. But what I do remember is that very early on into their courtship, COVID-19 hits and it has arrived at Irish shores. So they now have to make a decision as to whether to kind of go their separate ways because they really don't know each other that well, or if they want to hunker down together and be a little, you know, corn pod. They go for the second. And so they hunker down together, shack up at the very, very luxe flat that has been given to Oliver as part of his job. And then as we flash back and forth, we also know very quickly in the now that the Irish Gardaí, the like police, have been called by a neighbor to Oliver's flat because there is a horrifying stench coming from it. So of course they investigate, they discover something real, real bad, and the rest you will need to read to discover for yourself. 
Catherine Ryan Howard is also the author of The Trap, which just came out on August 1st. It is also a phenomenal book that I will, to give you a super, super, super quick synopsis, is based on or inspired by this case of killings, like unsolved uh, disappearances at least, possibly also killings, that really rocked Ireland in the 90s because they remain unsolved to this day. It is told from three different perspectives, a woman whose sister has been missing for a couple of years, who's desperate to find her. And is one the sister is one of several women who have gone missing. We have a kind of paper pusher clerk person at the missing persons unit who wants to be part of the guardie to be a detective who lands upon some information that might be related to the killings. And then we're also hearing from a serial killer who you think is just sort of talking and you realize he is talking to a woman in his trunk. It also does the not only multiple POV, but dips back and forth into the past and present to get you towards an ending, much like 56 Days does. And that is why I want to talk about this book so much, because Catherine Ryan Howard has now cemented herself for me as A, an auto read, and B, just a master of building up tension and in dropping little gems through these past and present flashbacks that are telling you all along about this twist, even if you don't recognize it, so that when the twist does finally land, you're like, wait, no, no, oh, oh, and in a way that is really, really satisfying. I don't want to imply that it's like formulaic or anything, because that's hardly it. These books are very different from one another. But she was able to pull off that little past and present flashback thing in a way, then the the twist, the pull off is just, oh, chef's kiss. I really, really enjoyed both of them. And they're both really great on audio. I can't wait to go back and read the rest of Catherine Ryan Howard's backlist. I think she also wrote another one called believe runtime. But based on what I've read so far, definitely going to be picking her books up anytime I need something to really just kind of grab my attention and hold on fast. So that again has been 56 Days by Catherine Ryan Howard. My second book is The Year of the Witching by Alexis Henderson. I think I said my second book. (laughs) My second book. That's how words work. This book is witchy, which is pretty predictable for me that when I want something to snap me out of a reading slump, I'm like, "Mm, what are witchy reads have I not picked up but said I wanted to? (laughs) And this book is so good and I'm so excited to talk about because Alexis Henderson now has a second book out called House of Hunger that I'm also eager to read. But that makes the year of the witching backlist. So let's get into why I loved it so much. This is Alexis Henderson's debut, which like, Okay, like it's just so good. I had a hard time believing it was a debut because it was that wonderful to read. It is also thrilling and chilling and horrifying and unsettling and other words that end in ing, but it's it's witchy. And I will also say that it is steeped in religious stuff. So if you have any kind of feelings, maybe religious trauma, things to do with religion, and that's a trigger for you or just like sensitive, maybe proceed with caution. This book takes place in Bethel, which is a society or a land, town, place where strict fundamentalist religion, smacks of, you know, like Christianity, like fundamentalist Christianity is the law of the land. The town is led by a man called the Prophet, capital P, and his apostles carry out his will. Their god is cruel and vengeful and very, you know, fire and brimstone vibes. And in this place with these extreme puritanical vibes lives our main character, Emmanuel. She is a teen whose family has sort of been relegated to the like, like outskirts kind of of society due to the shame that Emmanuel's very existence has brought upon them. She is biracial in a society where interracial relationships are evil and blasphemous. Racial segregation is justified by the tenets of this religion, which, you know, where have we heard this before? 
Her father was a black man who was burned at the stake for religious crimes, and her mother didn't fare any better because she too was an outcast for getting pregnant out of wedlock in the first place, for that pregnancy being of a black man, and she was also accused of witchcraft and other dark things before unfortunately dying in childbirth. So Emmanuel is living life. She's been raised by her grandparents who definitely are not doing a great job at making her feel any better about her situation. <laughs> but she's just sort of trying to keep her head down, do her, you know, chores and exist, survive in this deeply patriarchal society. And she sort of resigned herself to this life of uniformity and obeisance where she must remain submissive. But then one day, something goes awry when she goes, and this is, it's been a bit, it's a couple years since I've read this book. So this is the detail I'm a little bit fuzzy on, but I want to say that she's asked by her family, told by her family to go sell, I think a cow or another piece of livestock in town because her family desperately needs the money. And so she goes to do that, but then gets distracted and it doesn't go the way she wants to. She also gets all kinds of looks because again, she's a biracial. Life is really hard for her in this society. And so on the way home, I want to say that a really terrible storm is like looming and for reasons, or it might just be because it's dark and she wants to get home fast. She does a thing that she is not supposed to do, and that is to take a shortcut through the dark wood to get home. That dark wood is a forest that she's forbidden to go through. It's where the first prophet is said to have once chased and killed four powerful witches. It turns out the four spirits of those witches still lurk there. And they approach Emmanuel with a shocking and very revelatory gift, and that is the journal of her dead mother, who, you know, reading the journal, Emmanuel is surprised and shocked to learn was she basically was potentially dabbling in witchcraft and that she sought sanctuary in this very wood. What were the events that drove her to do so? Why did she do it? What did she do? Those are all things that come to a pretty explosive revelation, as do these grim truths about the church and its history and who things happen in the town. It is so dark and chilling. The scenes in the woods were like, yeah, they kind of made me shiver a little bit in a way that I love when a book does. And the other thing this book does really well, and that I think we should draw more attention to, and I'm going to fully give credit to this piece on Tor.com that reviews this book for even like really hitting, making this hit home for me more so than just from the experience of reading the book, which is the book is not only feminist, but really intersectional in its feminism. Emmanuel is treated the way she is, not just because she's a woman and not just because she's black, but because she's both. And the review there argues that the ending maybe could have like packed a harder punch with this specific thing. I suppose that's probably true. But really, in general, for the way that it looks at this specific aspect of intersectional feminism, how feminism should be intersectional and how awful it is when it isn't, the consequences that, you know, come when when it when it doesn't when it isn't which is unfortunately a thing we see really often today and of course also a look at religion and how it infiltrates a society and potentially you know <laughs> reminding you a little bit about things that are going on now in far right you know culture trying to make religion the thing that we all have to live by their specific religion and their specific faith it's just it takes a lot of these things to an extreme that unfortunately doesn't feel all that extreme and that is part of why this book is so unsettling it's, of course, witchy. There's the, the witchy stuff is very satisfying. The whole book is satisfying for me, but I really loved this particular kind of flavor of witchiness and what it explores. So those are the two books that I have for you today. I hope that you get yourself out of a reading slump if that's something you're going through or that you just enjoy them if you want like really, you know, reads. It'll just grab you from the face and not let you look away. 
And until next time, that is all for me. Thank you for listening. And thank you so much to today's sponsor and to our audio editor, Jed Zink. Thank you again for listening, not only to this show, I've already thanked you, but I'm thanking you again, because without y'all, we wouldn't be able to do this. For more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And then of course, check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. You can find a list of the books I mentioned today in the show notes by visiting bookriot.com slash all the books. And if you're a fan of all the books and all the backlist or any of our other shows and you want to show us a little love, consider leaving a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you can review podcasts. We really appreciate those reviews since they help other book lovers come find us talk about Irish thrillers and witchy reads and all the other things we love to read. If you want to find me, I'm mostly on Instagram at Buenos Dias SD, where I occasionally talk about books, talk about my niece and nephew, and about life in the Pacific Northwest. In the meantime, until the next time, happy reading. <laughs>